Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging, maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Good. Aren't you thankful for him? Amen. Thank you for being here. You may be seated tonight. It is my honor to get to speak to you to finish our series on prayer. And Brother Muse was just talking about it. We're going to be going to Matthew chapter number six uh, and looking at the Lord's model for prayer in the Lord's prayer tonight. Always my honor to stand before this great church. I give you honor. I am thankful for Calvary Tabernacle. I'm thankful for the muse. I feel that. I'm thankful for the family of God. Thank you for everyone that has been praying for us in this season. Thank you for all the prayers for my precious dad. And God has been good to us, and he's helping us, and I'm just so thankful. We've said it many times. I don't know how people make it without the help of the Lord and without the help of his church. So I, I give you honor tonight. Of course, give our pastor honor. Thank you for this opportunity to stand before you, give my family honor, my beautiful wife and our lovely girls, and what a good season we're in, busy season, but what a good season we're in, and I sure love them, love everybody at IBC. What a dream come true to work there, and I'm just so grateful. All right, let's look now, Matthew chapter number six, and it, I'm gonna set a little context for you, and so here's my goal tonight to look at the Lord's Prayer there are two times in Scripture where the Lord gives us this model for prayer. Matthew 6 is probably the most famous one. If you're going to quote the Lord's Prayer, you quote from Matthew 6, but he teaches it again to his disciples in Luke 11, and he uses a little bit different wording. And I think that's allowable because he teaches us, as we're going to see in Matthew 6, that we're not to use vain repetition. So it's not meant to be something that we memorize, it's to be something that we live and something that we believe. And so if time will allow, I want to get to both places and look at the context in which he teaches it because I think that helps us understand it even better. Because if you'll notice, it's a very short prayer. It's not very long. It's easy to say, but perhaps you could say it's hard to live. Easy to say but hard to live. So let's look now to the first time he teaches it, or, you know, the chronology probably is the first time in Matthew 6. This is, of course, that great body of Jesus' teaching that we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And it is itself a miracle. And even skeptics of the Bible who say that the Bible is not the Word of God have trouble with Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Because if it is a hoax, it's the greatest hoax ever written. And who could write such a hoax? And if Jesus wasn't God, how could he teach so good being a fraud? And so they have a real problem with this because it is the greatest moral teaching known to mankind. And in the middle of this, he begins in chapter 6 to talk about giving and giving your alms. And he says, you've got to do it in secret because if you give to be seen... Not, not that you will be smacked with lightning, but just that you will have your reward. That if you give to be seen, you get no spiritual benefit. 
You just get the benefit that comes from people thinking good of you, and you lose the spiritual benefit of it. And so he, the, the principle is to give in secret, and then he transitions, and he has similar teaching in, in verse 5, Matthew 6, 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So before he ever gives us the model, he gives us two warnings. And the first warning is the warning of the hypocrite. Don't pray to be seen of men. Now, this is not to say that we should not pray publicly, but we should not pray publicly in order to be seen publicly. It speaks to the motivation of our heart. I'm thankful for public prayer. I'm thankful for prayer meetings. I'm thankful for the prayer room. That's not what this is about. But if you go to be seen, you've already lost the spiritual benefit. And then what good is prayer without spiritual benefit? Because just people thinking good of you is not near as good as God thinking good of you. Because verse 6 says, but thou, meaning those that have come to hear me teach, those that I'm pouring into, thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. God rewards prayer. And this tells me, and I'm going to, I felt the conviction of this in my own life. So I'm just going to share it with you. There is nothing that replaces private prayer. There's nothing. There's no amount of preaching. There's no amount of church attendance. There's no amount of service that replaces private prayer. Jesus takes that for granted that you will have a time of private prayer. And when you do, he always rewards you openly. What a promise that is from the Lord. What an opportunity that we have been given. And then verse 7, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. So he gives us a second warning before he gives us the model. And that's the warning of the heathen. So the heathen... For those that have other religious beliefs, they pray transactionally. They think that time spent or words said give you a benefit. And if I could use a simple illustration, I remember being a kid and going to Chuck E. Cheese. Anybody go to Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah. And if you went there, you could, your parents could pay money. And they'd give you tokens. And then you put those tokens in machines. And after you spent about $30 worth of tokens, you could get enough tickets to get a 10-cent prize. That was a great business model. But I remember that, and I remember going, and I remember there was one game that I was good at. I wasn't good at many of them, but I would try to get those enough tickets to go take them up and exchange them for a prize. And the math was simple. The more tickets, the bigger the prize. And I would look up at the highest prizes. And I would dream about not really the prizes because I knew that I had stuff like that at home and I could ask for it and it, I could get it. But what, what draw me was the attainment 
of getting a million tickets. What would it be like if I was the kind of kid that could get a million tickets? How good would I have to be to get a million tickets? And so it became less about the prize and more about the attainment. And so maybe that's the trap of the heathen is that if it's vain repetition and time spent, it becomes about performance and less about what you need and less about the one that you're praying to. Because you can use prayer as just another form of self-improvement and self-discipline. And self-discipline has its own reward. But if that's all it is, there's no heavenly reward. And so this Christian life that we live is filled with disciplines. But without the heavenly reward, are any of those disciplines worth it? Are any of them worth it? Any of the giving that we do? Any of the sacrificial giving that we do? I want the heavenly benefit. I want to bow my knee in prayer and not just get the self-discipline benefit and the vain repetition benefit and the benefit of people thinking that I'm spiritual. I want to get the heavenly power. I want to get the attention of heaven. I want God to look down on me and reward the time that I've spent in prayer. Verse number eight says, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. That, that's amazing to me that as soon as you start asking, the attention of heaven is there. You don't have to scream to get God's attention. Now, my daughter had learned that sometimes she has to scream to get my attention. Or her favorite tactic is to say it over and over again until I finally pay attention. You don't have to do that with your heavenly father because he knows what you have need of. It's like God is looking down and he sees what you need and he's just waiting on you. When are they going to bring it to me? I've got the power. I've got the solution. I've got the answer. When are they going to bring it to me? When are they going to bring it to me? And how many times? Have we been guilty of carrying weights that we just wouldn't lay down before the Lord? And then when we do, why didn't I go to him sooner? Because he was already there. He already knew what I needed. And I was just carrying it around and, and bearing the burden and trying to figure it out and not really praying with my heart. But then that minute that I began to really give it to the Lord and I could feel his power and I could feel his anointing. Why didn't I do that sooner? He already has knows what you need. So then he gets into the model. After this manner, therefore, knowing all of this, here's how you pray. Knowing all of this, knowing what I've warned you about and, and what prayer is, let me give you a model. Now, if the Lord gives us a model for prayer, that's going to be pretty important. And so it starts like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's a good reminder that he's our father and his name is holy. His name is holy. He knows that, but we're reminding ourselves. Our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, I find this part interesting because what's going to stop God's will? What is going to stop God's kingdom from coming? Nothing. Nothing. We could all stop praying today. His will will be done. 
and his kingdom is going to come. So this is not about making God do something. It's about getting ourselves in alignment with his will because his will is going to march forward. And it's about, Lord, I want to be in your will. I want to be in your will. I want your will to be to fill my life. And here's here's my hypothesis. If I could use a scientific term and it's not really a hypothesis. I've already tested it, but I want to see what you think about it, because as I prepared for this lesson and as I began to focus on this model of prayer, something jumped out to me about all of these different things that we're going to talk about. These are prayers that God answers every time. He never once says no when we pray these prayers. He never once turns a deaf ear. He never doesn't answer. And he never says no when we ask for his will. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. God can answer that every time. Every time God can answer that prayer. Every time he never says no. He never says no. You don't deserve my will. You don't. You're not worthy of my will. If you want his will in your life, he's right there ready to give it. He's right there ready to give it. He never says, oh, no, no, you're not good enough for my will. No, no. He answers every time. Now, it's easy to say, but it's hard to live. But if you can really bring yourself to say, Lord, I want your will in my life. He says yes. Yes to that prayer. I'm, I've got you. I've got you. There's, that's the beautiful thing about the Lord. No matter where you've gone, how far you've gone, there's always a way forward in his will. No matter what you're dealing with, there's always a way forward. There's always a next step. And when you ask for it, God will give it to you. What a promise. What a blessing that is. And then verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need and not just spiritual needs but physical needs, our daily bread, what we need to live on a day-to-day -day life. God knows what you need. And I believe the scripture says that I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. So that means God answers that prayer every time. Every time God answers that prayer, Lord, I need some help today. I need you to provide for me today. God never says no. He never says you're on your own. He never says good luck. He says, yes, and here's what I've got for you. It's what you need. Now, sometimes we can get off by thinking we know what we need more than God knows. But when we yield to him and say, God, just whatever I need, whatever I need, God always says yes to that. He always says yes. Now, let's pause for a second and flip over to Luke chapter number 11. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. That was a good question to ask. You're watching the Lord pray. And the question comes to your mind, Lord, teach us to pray. What a good question to ask. You know, you can ask the Lord any question. Because some might view that as a silly question. You shouldn't you know how to pray? But the Lord, he didn't mind that question. You can ask the Lord that question. Lord, teach us to pray. I remember one man in the Bible said, Lord, increase my faith. That's an okay prayer request. Lord, increase my faith. Lord, help me 
know how to serve you better. You're not on your own to figure this out. This Christian life, he's leading you through it. You don't just have to do it on your own. Teach us to pray. What a good question to ask. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so in earth, give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he, he goes right into a story. And he asks them this question. Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, Though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. I say unto you, ask. Ask. Now, the interesting thing about this is God is not like this friend. He does have concern for us. And he does pay attention because we are his children but he also waits on us to ask. And if asking will work with a human friend, how much more will asking work with your heavenly father? Ye have not because ye ask not. Ask, ask the Lord. You know, we have, as we've grown in the Lord, me and my wife, we have learned that we can ask the Lord anything because he can always say no but sometimes he says yes and sometimes he provides things that people you might look at me and say well you should be able to figure that out on your own and probably I could have figured it out on my own but not as good as he could figure it out and I've learned that the, even the small things that I take to him if I ask he does it he begins to work he helps me because he wants to give us our daily bread he wants to give us those things that we need because he knows we're human. He created us to be human and he can give that to us. Now back to Matthew chapter number six and we'll look at verse 12 and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God never turns down the prayer of repentance. He never says, no, I won't forgive you of that. If you can ask, if you can find the place of repentance from your heart, like I said, easy to say, hard to live. That's why heaven rejoices over one sinner that comes to repentance because that's a miracle. I've never seen anybody fully repent of their sins that does not just want to get baptized in Jesus' name. And then when they've been baptized in Jesus' name and they fully repented of their sin, as we're going to see in just a minute, God will fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He will fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost because they're empty. They're ready for God to work in their life. And this repentance where the miracle really begins. Heaven rejoices over the person that repents because God always says yes to repentance. And then once you can get forgiveness, then you understand the power of forgiveness 
and you can say, Lord, help me forgive others. And that sometimes is even the greater miracle in your heart. You can ask for help. God knows it's hard to forgive because he's been betrayed. He's been betrayed. He's been betrayed by one of my friends, he says in the book of Psalms. And Matthew ties that right to Jesus Christ. He was betrayed. He was despised. He was rejected. He was spit on. He was laughed at. He was mocked as the king. And he was the king. So he knows how to forgive. And he can help us forgive. I think if you pray that prayer, Lord, there's, a, there's been a wrong that's been done to me. And I don't know if I have the strength to forgive. I've read a few books on forgiveness and I'm still not there. I got a few techniques. I watched a YouTube video and I'm still not there. I'm still not sure I can forgive this person. You know, that's a good thing to ask God to help you do. That's a good thing. to. I don't think the Lord ever turns a deaf ear to that prayer. I don't think the Lord ever says no. I don't think he ever says, no, you're on your own. You got to figure that out. I think he answers. I think he answers. I think he helps you. I think he guides you. I think he gives you the strength to do the impossible and forgive the unforgivable. How could you ever forgive somebody of that? Well, I don't know, but the Lord gave me strength. The Lord gave me strength because when you ask, you will receive. What a miracle that is. And then verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us. God never doesn't answer the prayer Lead me, Lord. Lead me. And when God leads us, it's to good places. It's not into temptation. It's not into fraught places. It's not into places where you'll fall and wreck your life. There's so many variables in life. I, I counsel these students all the time, and they've got so much potential, and there's so many variables in their life. And they're trying to think about who to marry and where to live and what their ministry is going to be. And there's so many variables. And if you just sat down and looked at it on paper, you would be afraid of the decisions that you could make because you could wreck your life with a few decisions you didn't know you were making because you don't know what the future holds. So you need the Lord to lead you because it could look good on paper and then be awful in reality and pull you away and let bitterness grow in your spirit and, 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 Things wreck your life. And so you need the Lord to lead you, not into a place where you will be tempted, but a place where you will be protected. Not into a pulpit that will tempt you to, to compromise the truth, but into a place that will strengthen you and help you. And that goes for all of us. What will that career change do in your life? What will that raise do in your life to, to make or move cities? What will that do in your life? They're, these are complicated questions. We need the Lord's help. And if you ask for his help, I've never known him to say no. I've never known him to say, figure it out. Do the math. Work it out. Get the workbook. He leads us by his spirit. He guides us. And if we ask, he will be there. That's a prayer that we can pray and he will answer every time. 100% of the time. He will answer that prayer. Deliver us from evil. God is in the delivery business. He always delivers from evil. Now, sometimes it's not as fast as we want him to deliver, but he always does. He always answers that prayer. He leads us and he delivers us. He doesn't take us to a bad place. 
He doesn't take us to bad places. He takes us to good places. The psalmist said, he leads me by the still waters. God takes us to good places, but you've got to ask. You've got to ask. You've got to have the humility to ask. Like I said, easy to say. You can read this. How long would it take if we just read this? 30 seconds? Maybe if you're kind of slow. But you could spit it. If you're a Bible quizzer, you, former Bible quizzer, you know how to spit out verses. Maybe 2.8 seconds you could get through these. They can go pretty fast. So you can say it. You could say it a million times maybe. But can you mean it? That's when the spiritual power kicks in. Lord, I really need you to lead me. I really need you to lead me. I really need your help, God. You have not because you ask not. Dangerous sentiment in the heart is I've got this, Lord. I've, I, I've got this figured out. And now we don't say that out loud, but do we say it in the innermost parts of our heart? I've said it before. Thank the Lord for his mercy and his grace because he always leads us. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. See, he ties those two together. And when you realize his grace and he gives you the strength, it just connects the forgiveness you have for others to his forgiveness. Let's look now, the last, the, the last words, we skipped them. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Just reminding us once again, who has the power? Whose kingdom's coming? What kingdom are you seeking? Now, I want to conclude tonight. I want to go back, if you'll allow me, to Luke chapter number 11. Because I felt this very strongly. God does answer prayer. These are prayers that God always answers. He always answers. Now, there are prayers that we pray that we want him to answer, that he doesn't answer in the way that we want him to. But that's where we go back to that beginning. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. And we just get ourselves in alignment. And then it takes care of those other prayers. And we might as well ask. We might as well ask for healing. We might as well ask for the blessing. We might as well ask. But see, there's, there's really always a greater purpose to this. Because I want you to look back with me in Luke chapter number 11. And verse 9 again. And I say unto you, ask. And it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Now, taken out of context, this looks like some sort of magic trick that whatever you ask for, you will get. And we know that that's not right because we've asked for things and God has said no. But see, it wasn't just, a, we don't just need to lift it out of its context. It was placed there when he taught us how to pray. He said, when you pray the prayers that I can always answer, I will always answer. When you pray for my will, I will always answer. You know, it's not a cop out to pray for the will of God. That's not a lack of faith. That's greater faith. It's, it's less faith to think that we have to have the audacity to think that we can command God, that we know better than him. We don't know better than him. We want his will. We want his will. And then Jesus drives the point home. 
Because he says in verse 10, for everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Verse 11, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father. Now he asked us that have children to put ourselves in his position. What happens when your child asks you something? When he asks you for something that he needs? Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Now, what is Jesus trying to convey there? Is that relationship between parent and child? Is that the parent has a sense of what the child needs? And when the child asks, the parent, a good parent, has the right to filter that request. Because he might not give what the child immediately asks for, but might give what the child needs. But when the child asks for something that is needed, like bread, would he ever withhold that? Would he ever withhold that with the child ask for something that is in the will of God that will sustain us, that will help us? Will he ever turn away? Verse 12, or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? to them that ask. That's the answer, folks. If you want God's spirit, you can have it. And as much of his spirit as you want in your life, you can have it. As much as you will pray, as much as you will ask for it in your life, as much as you will yield to it, he will give it to you. Because if you need it, and do you need the spirit? I need the spirit. Do you need the Spirit's guiding? I need the Spirit's guiding. Do you need the comfort of the Holy Ghost? You can have the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Do you need God to provide for you? God will provide for you. Do you need a miracle in your life? God can give you a miracle because if you ask, he'll give you the strength. If you ask, if you ask, he'll give you the blessing. If you ask, because he looks down and he sees you and he already knows what you need. Stand with me all across this place. What an opportunity we have to ask the Lord for his help. And he never turns us down. He never stops helping us. He never asks us to perform. He just asks us to surrender. He just asks us to surrender. So here's what I want to do tonight, just in, in closing. I want us to ask the Lord for something. I want us to ask the Lord for one of these things that maybe you're struggling with. Do you need forgiveness tonight? Why don't you ask the Lord for forgiveness? Do you need help forgiving? Why don't you ask the Lord for help forgiving? Do you need the Lord to provide something for you? Do you need that financial miracle? Why don't you ask the Lord tonight? Do you need to get realigned with his will? Why don't you ask the Lord? God, I just want to get realigned with you. Well, yeah, it takes care of so much questions in your mind, in your heart. If you just settle that issue, Lord, I want to be in your will. God has a way of just kind of straightening you out and ironing you out. So I wonder if we could do that together, just in closing right now. If we could just lift our hands all across this place, whatever you feel to do. And let's ask the Lord for something. God, we need your help in this place. 
God, we need your anointing. We need your touch, Lord. There are things that we're believing you for. There are things, Lord God, that we need your strength on. And Lord, we know that when we ask, you will be there to help us. You will anoint us with your spirit. You will guide us. You will direct us, Lord. And so, God, we're asking you right now to come into this place. I pray, God, you would strengthen every member of Calvary Tabernacle, every guest, Lord, that may have walked into this place. God, that is in need of you, Lord. Maybe there's somebody here that is in need of your spirit, God, in need of forgiveness. I pray, Lord, they would find that altar, Lord, where they can release their needs before you, where they can repent, where they can find your spirit. God, maybe there's somebody here that is in need of direction. Lord God, I pray that you would answer that prayer as their heart cries out, that you would lead them and that you would guide them and that you would help them to stay in the center of your will. Lord, maybe there is a backslider in this place, God, that it just came back to try you one more time. I pray you'd help them get realigned with your will, Lord. God, we need your help, Jesus. God, we need your touch, Lord. There are things that we've got to have from you, Lord. And Lord, we lift you up, God. We ask it all in your precious name, in Jesus' name.